We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. MLB CBA negotiations came to a crashing halt today. We'll address that, what it means, and what we're going to do in the interim. But more importantly, we're going to spend more time talking about uh, our navel-gazing. We're going to be talking about our industry league drafts, labor, TGFBI, Towers, Wars, that and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Fred Zinke for the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast brought to you by the good folks at WinBet. That intro is too short. I don't have enough time to retweet the link out there. So I'm going to do that right now after I ask you, Fred, how are you? Well, I'm fine. Like, I was really hoping that we could have this, like, tidal wave of enthusiasm on tonight's episode and, you know, oh, they've got a deal and let's go. The players are this. And I heard this guy might sign as soon as tonight. And, but none of that's going to happen. So uh, I'm generally an optimist. I'm going to find a way to be at least not pessimistic about this whole thing, but yeah. So, so I'm fine, but I, today, tonight could have been like a really, really cool episode because you know, if they had come to an agreement by 5 PM Eastern, like there would have been, there would have literally been rumors by 6 PM Eastern about certain players and moves. Yep. That's right. And I, you know, I was ready for the fire hose of information said, I'm going to go play tennis tonight. Um, not going to watch the state of the union. I'm not going to watch the state of MLB union. Uh, I didn't watch either press conference. I don't need to, you know, screw that noise. You know, yes, of course it's stupid that they cut both MLB network and ESPN cut short the players press conference, you know, right. Rights holders are going to rights hold. That's what they do. Um, so I'm not really surprised by that. This isn't about fairness. It's about leverage. I'm not surprised, but I, 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 I am surprised because obviously I, I caught I tweeted this out. I got caught up last night. I was watching every breathless update going to the bottom of the 12th and negotiations. They're getting close. Okay. They extended it by a day. That must mean they're close. Right? Right? No, they weren't close. Such crap. I'm so, I'm such a fool for buying into that there. Not just, just read Evan Drellich. Don't read the Nightingale. Don't read Heyman. I don't even follow those guys on Twitter, but I didn't mute them. Now Me neither. I'm them. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I got caught up in it. Hey, shame on me. Uh, do it. Fool me twice, double jeopardy or whatever Michael Scott says. But uh, you know what? My bad. Uh, now I'm pretty cynical again, which is where I was to begin with. And we'll just wait. 
Okay, so I, I usually like to cut to the chase on things like this. When will the first MLB game of the season be played? June. Sorry to say that, but I'm uh-huh. super. Oh. Yeah, I, uh, th- dude, June it's not going to be too June first. Se- I didn't say June first. Uh, it, it's not going to be. Look, they said they're canceling two series, but they don't have any negotiations scheduled. They broke negotiations. They said it's on the players to come back to them. We gave our last best offer. Screw that noise. They did not. I mean, you look at the details from Jeff Passan, and they barely moved. The players have moved a lot. Like on the bonus pool thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the owner started at 20, 25, maybe. I, I think they started at 20 and moved to 30. The players went from 115 to 85. I mean, that first of all, that 30 is more than 10. I think we can rapidly concede that. Uh, they, you know, that's it's the CBT. They barely, they haven't moved in the CBT at all. And that's the thing that's most noxious. I mean, in, both in terms of the thresholds and the penalties, they barely moved. Uh, they never wanted to get this thing settled. I, I think all the talk about, uh, you know, hey, you know, we're getting closer and all that. They spit out. They, they wanted to create this false sense of enthusiasm, and it worked. I got bought into it. Read the comments on any tweet or, or, or thoughtful post, and you'll see people don't care about what's the truth. They don't care what the actual facts are. They, just, I mean, they want baseball, and then people, other people have already made up their minds. I'm probably guilty on the other side. I don't know. But fact is, um, it doesn't matter. They're steering into this. They don't, they they have leverage. They're using it, period. Do you think that the owners through this whole process, do you think they don't want April baseball? Like that they would pref- pre- actually prefer to not have April baseball and save the player salaries? possibly, but I think that's super duper short-sighted. I think there are some owners that way uh, that because they don't get much attendance in April anyhow, perhaps. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, And they don't, but the teams that, that have a window to compete right now that really have a compete, have a chance to compete and win a world series. I mean, that, that that's devastating to them. You don't want to lose games like that. The Red Sox, they, they should be one of this. I think that the other secret thing here is there is a divide between owners. And unfortunately, the small payroll owners are the ones that are more numerous and have more control. You need 23 out of 30 to ratify anything on the owner side. And there's a lot more than seven, six or seven owners holding this up, in my opinion. Now you're making me more pessimistic. Sorry. Maybe, maybe Sorry. June 1st is right. I was going kind of like May 1st. Um, but that they like, you know, take a couple of weeks now. And then like, I don't know, I feel like this all ends just when the owners feel like it's like, I actually feel like this is all going to end when the owners feel like making it end. Like when, Probably they, when true. they, it's their lockout. And when yes, they, and when they decide that they will budge ever so slightly on a few things, I'm not even saying the words meet them in the middle. Like when they decide that they will budge a little bit, um, then Meet them a third of the way. Yeah. yeah, then it'll end. Um, so it's just really when they decide that they want to do that. And if that's in – and I don't get on Rob Manfred. Like, I know a lot of people do. Uh, he works for the owners. If they if they wanted to budge and settle, they would budge and settle. Like he, Maybe. Okay. Don't but you feel I'm like he's say, just the negotiator in this whole thing? Right. Uh, well, he's not just the negotiator. I think he helped formulate the battle plan too. I mean, he's okay. been doing these for – decades yeah um i think it's like peter uberoth back in the day where you know it's like hey 
let's get in line. You got to stay, stay together on this. Right. This is all, all that. I, I, he's not just a mere bystander. He's not just taking bullets for the owners. I mean, he is taking bullets for the owners, but it's more than that. I think he's an active actor and the dude's getting paid a ton by the owners too. He, he, this is a job he sought. It's a, it, this is the life he has chosen. He doesn't get a pass, you know? I, yeah, he's, he's, he is the face of, of that, of everything. There's a lot worse behind him, but I think that, that, that he's an active part of it too. So like, do you think he could sway them? Do you think he has no that level of like, do you think he could take tonight's or take the most recent players offer or whatever, what the players want? And he, do you think he could sway them? No, unlikely. Right. Likely. That's where I kind of feel like that's where I let him off the hook a bit. I just, I don't know if, if there's anything he could do to, if there's anything he could have done really to avoid this. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like negotiate all winter, like, which they didn't. Right. Right. But I, but again, there was no point in negotiating all winter if the owners were unwilling to really move on anything. Well, like, I mean, just take a yeah. look at the owners and take a look at behavior and how many of them are likely to be behind this. Miami, right? Especially mm-hmm. Jeter stepping down. I think that was a canary in the coal mine that we should have paid more attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yep. look at Cincinnati, absolutely part of that there. Pittsburgh, clearly part of that there. Colorado, Lead negotiator in this whole deal here. Arizona's had cash calls before from their ownership group. That's uh, St. Louis. Uh, they've been complaining. St. Louis, remember in 2020, uh, DeWitt, I think it was, the owner of the Cardinals, was the one that said owning a club is not all that profitable. He's the one that came up with that line in the first place that Manfred just used like a week yeah. ago. So that's yeah. six right there just in the National League. A's, Rays. Orioles, you know they're all on board with this here. The Royals, they're definitely on board with this here. Um, you, you just got, I mean, there's there's at least 10 to 12 of these teams and probably a lot more that are all fighting for the same thing and trying to get a greater share of the pie. And, you know, the, the, the lies that they say, just they said, in the last five years, it hasn't been good for revenue. BS. The only I year know. it hasn't been good, the, the 2020 wasn't good. 2021 for three months wasn't good. You know, fine, because you didn't have stadiums at full capacity. Come on. Just all you have to do is look at the Marlins and the Royals getting sold for a billion dollars a piece. And you, you can't yep. s- sell me on anything else there with the, that they're saying. Yep. I, I, I totally agree. I, I feel like this is some sort of calculated plan to recoup some of the lost money by not paying the players for a while. Like some of the money they lost during the COVID fan, you know, absences, yep. but that would be, like you said, that's so short sighted. Um, if, if that is really the fact, or maybe it's not, maybe this is just them looking to not budge on anything. Has anybody quit in any of your leagues because of this? I don't know. I don't think I would know. Like if anyone in any of your NFBC leagues quit, you'd never know at this point, you wouldn't know. Yeah. I have Um, a score sheet league that drafts a week from Saturday, keeper deadline Saturday. And he sent an email today saying he quit. uh, I get it. I I get it. If someone wanted to do that, I like. It's a bit dramatic for my liking, but I get uh, yeah. it at the same time. I, I mean, if you're not into the the thing, I would say is if you're not into it, like if if this is just frustrating, maybe that maybe the guy who quit was kind of on his way out anyways, like wasn't totally sure if he wanted to do this anyways. I don't know, but and was thinking maybe I'm near the end of my my run in this score sheet league anyways. So I, I get yeah. that, but don't no wait until go. now. I mean, when you you're you're this close to a draft, and you have to scramble I to know. find yeah. someone. 24 teams, 35 round draft, you know, massive keeper league. Yeah. You had plenty of time to quit. quit then. I, I, um, nobody's going to quit in any of our industry leagues over this. 
Right. So, I, I sure hope not. The guys um, will be really frustrated, but nobody's going to quit. These are people who, uh, like, obviously, like, deeply love playing fantasy baseball and fantasy sports, and some of whom, you know, make a living off fantasy sports. So, like, they're they're not going to just walk away over frustration over this. But it is it is we are like. We're not at the forefront of this, but we are the we are among the many, 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 many people who don't make hundreds of thousands or millions or billions of dollars who are being negatively impacted by this because this is going to drive down interest in this really fun fantasy oh, yeah. game. And you know, it's 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 not just us; it's people who work at restaurants and bars and all these things that we always talk about and work at stadiums and whatever. And these people all get hurt from this. Minor um, leaguers too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're gonna minor league schedule. The schedule is in place, but they're all pointing to try to get to the major leagues. I mean, yep. And this, it's not going to help them a whole lot. Maybe it gets them they're ready sooner or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, their their rights are being kind of bargained away as they always are in these in these negotiations too. So they're affected too. Broadcasters, everything, hotel workers. You know, it's just everything is is affected by this. So yeah. Yeah. And the and those are people who like really need the money. Not to say that the maybe the beginning, the, like the you know the rookies and things like that in baseball don't, because they may not have made much so far in their careers. But I mean, these are people who like re- like really need the money. A lot of whom have families and you know already right. in our later stage of life and uh, have less flexibility maybe than a twenty three year old who's just has to support themselves. So uh, th- those people all get caught up in the wash here, and I know that gets mentioned and and rightfully so. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. That's enough uh, belaboring the nonsense that is uh, the, the CBA. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about uh, uh, talk a little bit about our leagues. Let's talk about ourselves because everybody likes hearing us talk about ourselves more. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, a quick note from our friends at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcasts. All right, Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Fred and I both participated in labor last week that is the labor mixed 15 team league mixed draft uh it was a you know one league we're both in obviously so uh you know we, and if you were listening last week while we were doing it the three-hour bmoth uh, podcast hopefully you guys enjoyed the live stream uh, it was really cool because you know there was serious xm was covering it ryan bloomfield was doing a live pod on it here i think scott pianowski michael salfino did a breakfast table pod after the fact i don't think they did it live uh there's a lot of media going on uh, on this for people in the league. I got to say, Fred, I may not go back. I may con- – anytime we do a live online draft like that, I may stream it because it – I mean, I, it, it was super fun talking through it with you and Jason and Todd and James and Ryan. We, I, I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. It's like we're talking through the picks as they were going on. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was really valuable to have Jason and then everybody else who dropped in for, you know, shorter periods of time. I know Jason was there the longest, but um, I think that probably kept us from having too much dead air. Uh, yeah, just while we're we, making picks get, and things like that. You get yep. really consumed. The first, I think I could have done this now, now, like, you know, full disclosure, I was coming back from taking one of my kids to a sports practice and that's why we didn't I wasn't there right at the very beginning but um I think I could have easily just talked and talked and talked for the first couple rounds and then things get real and then more things start going through your head and then you know by the middle rounds I was really consumed by what we were doing so I think having someone there at least one if not two people at a time involved in the conversation who aren't drafting was really helpful but I thought it was really fun to talk through it um and I probably, the one thing I was aware of, and if I'm being honest, is we were live and recording a podcast. So obviously anyone who was drafting with us could have been, could have had our podcast on. I don't know if right. anyone did or if I, or whatever, but I did, I was aware of that as far as forecasting my picks a little too much. Uh, if, or so if, if we weren't live, but just recording, I may have forecasted some of my picks a little more than I did. Um you know, talked about like, oh, it's I'm up in three picks and I can't believe this guy's still on the board. But I didn't totally want to say that just in case, you know, Tim McLeod was before me and Andrea Lamont was before Tim and in case any of them were listening to us. Right. Uh, I, I'm fully on, I'm fully on board with that. And, you know, I was at least you were at like at a, at a turn. So your turn. That's right. Yeah. You only had you and Zach between. you. I don't think Zach was listening to us because he even asked like because I mentioned in the chat that you got swiped by him a couple of times. And he didn't know who, by whom. So gotcha. that's probably a good sign. Uh, and you also commented. And I thought one of those really actually that was one of the more insightful things is you were explaining your picks and you're like, well, I've seen that Zach has this. Uh, and that, you know, I'm going to go this first and then hope to get that a couple instances, uh, where you mentioned how, uh, I think it started as early as with, as with Whit Merrifield, right. That you yeah. knew that he would had Turner. So you weren't going to take Merrifield in the second year and take Teoscar before Merrifield and hope you get Merrifield on the way back. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know if Zach would have taken Teoscar, but Zach did take Aaron judge. So like he was obviously willing to take a power bat there and which makes sense because he had Turner and I just guessed that he wouldn't I mean he could have and in fact if I had taken Turner second if Zach had not taken Turner I would have taken Turner and then went Maryfield in the third and just dealt with the abundance of steals as the draft went on but I just guessed that Zach would be less likely to do that so um, you know it burned me one time later he already had a couple starters I guessed he wouldn't take a starter on a turn he took Frankie Montas I was going to take Frankie Montas so I took Dylan Cease instead with the next pick but um, I may have taken Montas going into the turn instead I took Brian Reynolds because I thought oh Zach won't take that turn that six seven turn my three guys in my queue at the top were Brian Reynolds JD Martinez and Frankie Montas and I wanted to get two of them and Zach actually took the other two like I took Brian Reynolds Zach took the other two and I I had to kind of spin last minute and take cease but I would have if I had known like I would have liked to have taken two including one of uh, including a pitcher so I would have taken Montas but I, I, so that one, I tried to call his bluff and I lost. Um, he took, he stole Joe Ryan on me, but that was later in the draft. I, th- I find later, uh, unless it's like a catcher or something like that, like, you know, when the guy on the turns boxed in on catcher, like you can look and be like, okay, he's got two or he doesn't have any or whatever. Right. But it's more early because unless he's doing an oddball draft plan, like the person on the turns probably not going to take like all power hitters at, in the first 
three or four picks or all speedsters or all pitchers or something. So I think that was, I, yeah, I think it, it, it's interesting to, it kind of makes me not want to be on the turn on either end, unless we're in a season where there's just someone I absolutely adore first overall. I think that makes sense. I think that really makes sense. Uh, I'm trying to share the draft board here and I, I, my sharing abilities I are see. pretty mediocre. Not uh, a good share. Uh, I'm trying to see if, oh, I think, okay, Chrome tab. Here we go. I think I got it here. So can people, now people can see the, the whole draft board while we're talking here. Amazing. Um, yep. yes. Hey, old dog learning new tricks. That's <laughs> this guy. All right. Um, so you can see the board. Fred drafted second, started off with Jose Ramirez, went to Oscar and Whit Merrifield. Iglesias, you went Iglesias and at the end of the four. And, and as you pointed out on the, the, the live stream, I was thinking that, hey, closers are slipping. The first ones went 3-5, Because I've been playing NFBC all this time. I've been mm-hmm. playing draft and holds. You pointed out aptly that the first closers last year were taken at 4-15 and 5-1. So you taking Iglesias as the, the number three closer at 4-14 is still actually early compared to, pre, uh, to at least compared to last year. Yeah, this league is, is slowly getting with the times, I guess, in far as bumping closers up. And that Iglesias sale turn, I guess, was another time where I thought about Zach on the turn. And just going into the turn, I thought, well, he does have a starter. He had Aaron Nola. He doesn't have a closer. I'll get Iglesias going into the turn. And then I wanted Chris Sale coming out of the turn. Turns out he did take a closer on the turn, Ryan Presley, and he actually took a starter, which I was a little surprised about, but he took Jose Barrios. So I was still all good. But had I not taken Iglesias, I thought, well, Zach on the turn, that four or five turn, there's a decent chance he's going to want to take a closer. So I'm going to get the one I want going into the turn. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and for people that aren't, aren't didn't catch the intro, uh, this is the draft board from the last Tuesday's 15-team labor mixed draft. LABR labor is the very first ever industry league or experts league. Uh, Steve, it was, you know, run by the folks at USA today. Steve Gardner is the guy that runs that now. Uh, and it started with John hunt. Now it's Steve Gardner, both awesome people, awesome players. It's a great fun league. It's an OG. It's the OG uh, fantasy experts league. So, you know, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. And uh, you know, I enjoy doing that there. Uh, And, was a fun league last year. You and I made a trade in it. We've talked about it before. I may have mentioned it before a couple of times because <laughs> I actually did well in this league. So I wanted to, yeah, we talked about it, but it, it, it's also the first one that we do. Yeah. It, and it, for me, it was the first 15 team draft I had done this year. I'd done a lot of 12s. Uh, it was the first 15. So of the year. So looking at your early rounds. So, uh, you know, we kind of just went through what I did at, off, the, off the top. Um, so you started, you were pick, what, 10, 2, 4, 6, yes, 8, correct, 10. 10. You took Carl, Kyle Tucker. I think that's like solid, good idea. You passed on Garrett Cole. I was not surprised, but like Garrett Cole's ADP is such that he should have been gone before you, like he, he typically has gone before you pick. But then you came back with Brandon Woodruff. So Kyle Tucker and Brandon Woodruff is great. Had you taken Garrett Cole, who knows? Like, I don't know if you would have gone twin aces and still take it would you have still taken yeah. woodruff if you'd taken Garrett? so it's interesting you ask because last year i did go pocket aces yeah. that was my plan and it worked out and well i the team worked out i'm not sure going pocket aces worked out i think you need to make sure is it because i did pocket aces or is it something else 
I think it's also just as likely because I, dra I drafted Teoscar Hernandez in the fifth and Sandy Alcantara in the 11th. And, you know, there's, there's right. other reasons, you know, getting Emmanuel Classe and fab and getting uh, Adam Duvall in like the 25th round. And of course, two trades worked out really well too. But the pocket uh, aces didn't, didn't prevent you from winning. That's for sure. Yeah. It was Cole and Giolito Cole. That's was a great. Mild, mild, tiny disappointment. Giolito was a disappointment, but there were a lot of, as, as Ryan Bloomfield pointed out in one of his bloom boards, top 20 or top 15, I forget which number he, he was the pitchers. It's a lot of disasters out there. You could have done a lot worse. Well, uh, like, and some of, like, and some, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Giolito got you 200 strikeouts, an ERA of 3.5, a whip of 1.1. Like, I don't see that at all. Like, like it's a, like maybe a minor disappointment, but that's a, yeah. like a plenty good season to win your league. Did he really get 200 Ks? 201 strikeouts, yeah. Well, see, I know. I like that you committed that to memory because, you know what? It You're right, 201 and a 353 with a 110. It feels worse because he had a couple of bombings. He, he only won 11 games. Yeah. I walked away with kind of like, eh, it's kind of salty, but really? Oh, he yeah. got, he got what I, I got what I needed out of him. You're absolutely right. So yeah, maybe I should have been more open to the concept of pocket aces. So no, I, I was, you know, I was open to it. I did go pocket aces and the, the first pitch Arizona speakers league. So it's, I'm, I'm not opposed to doing it. I've, I've had some, and last year in the main event, I was two points out of the money doing pocket aces and, that was with Giolito and you Darvish and you Darvish was an unmitigated disaster last year. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So, so, so you, you got Kyle Tucker, you got Woodruff, you got Xander Bogarts who I can tell you love this year. You, you've taken, because, him I don't know if I love, I just love his cost. I think he's a okay. solid hitter every year. He's the same guy yes. every year. You're getting him at pick 40 or later. Yeah, sign me up. I got him in the fourth round, actually, in TGFBI. We'll talk about that in a second here. Which no, I think it's, is pretty common. Like, I think where you took him. Yeah. This isn't like is. a min pick thing, like where you took him, no. like, at 310. But but it's it's above, you know, it's earlier. It's above story. It's, it's above Giolito, for sure. Yes. It's, yes. It's, it's above Olsen. These are other guys that occasionally go in front of him. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then your your Will Smith catcher flag plant, which I know you've discussed with you discussed with Scott that that was something you really wanted to do mm -hmm. this year. Um, and I think that's fine. Like like Real Muto and Perez were gone. I I couldn't. I think Will Smith is a good is a good pick. I couldn't take him over either of the of the other two. Uh, but I think once they're gone, I think he's fine. And yeah. and then you started, you know, deepening your pitching staff staff with Class A. You brought him back for another season. This time. You don't have to go to. I had to pay the together. price for him, though. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, and I think your Freddie Peralta pick is really cool. I think Peralta is totally a good pick where you got him in round six, and could be like that could a guy who could be like like your not the same skill set, but like your Alcantara pick last year in round eleven, where you know you get like a major like Freddie Peralta is awesome if he throws borderline steal. I think yes. If I think well, I think sixth round is fair because we don't know what the innings will be like. But mm -hmm. if the innings end up being higher than a lot of people expect, which is it's it's definitely possible, um, then I think that pick could could be like he could easily be a guy who's going in the third round or something next year. Yeah, I, th I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that, and yeah. I kind of like the progression of Brewers pitchers. You know, one year they're kind of hybrid reliever slash starter. The next year, full time starter but limited innings. Next year, they take the training wheels off a little bit more. Same thing happened with Woodruff. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened with Burns. Uh, I do have 
Burns in a lot of play. I have Woodruff here. I have Burns, Burns in, in this league. You would have had, if you take in Burns in this league, you could have gone Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. You could have just had all the Brewers. All the I, Brewers. I have Ashby too later on. Don't yeah. Good. So Ashby is this year's Peralta. You know, a guy that gets the job maybe in April. Well, I was going to say gets the late April, early May. Yeah. But now it's going to be you know <laughs> late July. Okay, great. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's less valuable now than it was before. I don't know. Maybe, so I feel maybe, like your draft up to that point. That's six picks totally like stable solid then things started to get like a little weird and i'm not saying that in a bad way but like now we start seeing the picks that are like to me like really could go either way like cody bellinger in round seven mm-hmm. that's it that's definitely it could go either either way pick which is funny because last year when i was taking bellinger in round two you were the guy saying to me like don't take bellinger he's not worth that second round pick and you were right well, he was hurt. He wasn't even I, worth like well, a 25th round pick really last year. Yeah, but um, let's keep in mind, the reason why I was saying that is yep, he was coming off the shoulder surgery. Yep. Not just an injured, not just he was hurt. Had surgery, didn't know when he'd be ready to start the season. You didn't know what was going to happen with in terms of his swing. He's had a full, healthy offseason, and now it's a longer offseason. I think that actually be, it, it helps him even more. But there was, you know. Stupid little thing about seeing him take batting practice with teammates, seeing him hit the home run in the playoffs. I think he's healthy now, and I think it's all health that was holding him back. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And his career has been really up and down, but even other than – okay, last year the downs were like, oh, my God, down. Yes. But overall, I mean, like in his career, the downs – No, the la- whole last year was, oh, my God. Let's you – know, we won't yes. even – you know, it, it, there is risk. That's what there's I mean, a, yeah. Yeah, there's a there, – I won't deny. There is a huge risk, especially in terms of batting average, that he's never the same. That that I'll yeah. rapidly concede that. Uh, points that I like in his favor is he still runs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Still has power when he gets around on that high fastball. It just it's mm-hmm. getting around on the high fastball. On a, on, he's in a good lineup, which is could nice. could regain first base eligibility. Right now he's only outfield, but first and outfield, I always like having the two spots. That could be yep. handy too. Uh, he always gets paired with Yelich. It's Yelly Belly, um, and I prefer Belly yep. over Yelly. Uh, I, I would not have taken Bellinger. I would not have taken Yelich there. Um, I just the back bothers me and I just don't know where the power has gone. I, whereas I can see it a little bit with Bellinger. I can't see it with Yelich right now. I haven't right. seen the yep. evidence just yet. I think that, I think that makes sense. And then, and then you kept going with some guys who could really go either way. Like Bobby Witt Jr. Could, he's a rookie. We don't know when he'll debut and how good he'll do. We, we know he's really talented. He could certainly go either way. You took Giovanni Gallegos, who's a, great pitcher as long as the Cardinals let him be the closer but we know the Cardinals have some other guys in that bullpen mm-hmm. who they've messed around with in closer roles before whether it's Hicks or Reyes etc we we don't like it should be Gallegos but we so, just don't know that right. and, and then before we move not- on before we move on let me talk yep. Gallegos real yep. quick uh because I think it, I I normally the type of guy that would shy away from him because he doesn't have the job there could be wrong again here, but at least I don't. Have, I'm not doing it with Emilio Pagan this year. Ha ha! Won't get me three years in a row. Uh, but new manager, uh, I think m- might manage the team a little bit differently. Talk about Jordan Hicks going into the rotation, perhaps when he comes back. They want to stretch him out. Alex Reyes had the job and lost it because of his lack of control and command. That's still institutional memory. I I don't see Gallegos. I mean, I, I'm definitely putting Gallegos behind the, the rest of those closers. And, you know, you're looking at that board, you know, you look at all the other closers that went off before him. Uh, I, I think he was appropriately priced. I mean, he went behind Scott Barlow. He went behind Kenley, which I get. 
you know, Kenley, wherever he signs, he's going to close. I, I'm, I'm all on board on that one there. Will Smith going before him. I'm all on board with that. But I think he was the head of the next tier. I think I take, yep, me you know, too. I take him definitely ahead of Trinan. I take him ahead of Barlow, to be honest. I take, I take him ahead of Melanson, even though Melanson I know has the job. Uh, but I, I think he's a better pitcher. Maybe that's the risky part there. You can argue about that one. And I don't think there are any other relievers after that that we have the combination of skills and job that are anywhere close. Maybe Knable, but I think Knable, you know, there's still guys that could still sign in Philly. I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced on Knable, as, you know, job or health. Yeah, I, I understand that completely. I had, when you took Gallegos, he was my highest reliever. Okay. Uh, you know, like when I'm crossing him off on my my paper and pen list, which I use, like he was at the top. I didn't have to go looking for him. Right. And then Austin Meadows was your next one. He's very boomer busty a little yeah. bit. Like I, he had one of the uglier 106 RBI seasons last year that you can have um, some, if I wanted to throw some neat cold water stats on Austin Meadows. So he only hit more than four homers in one month of the year last year. His second half OPS was barely over 700. Um, but somehow managed to have a 22 RBI month in there. Um, he just, he was awful against lefties, 563 OPS, like looks like a clear candidate for a smart raise organization to platoon him. But they let him play against lefties last year, but he didn't do do anything. Except for in September where they started benching him. The more right. I dug into this pick after the fact, the less yeah. I liked it. Uh, so, in fact, I probably wouldn't make that uh, pick again if I had my choice. Yeah, so then after that, though, I felt like then you kind of went back to, well, that at that after that point, like, like Meadows is round 10. So now we're into the double digit rounds. Everybody's going to have warts at, at like yeah. once you hit the double digit rounds. But now I feel like your picks were more like, like I said, like those first picks really solid. Then you went like a little boomer bust, Bellinger, Witt, Gallegos, Meadows. And then I felt like Dylan Carlson, fine. Like StatCast kind of says he overperformed a little bit last year, but he's clearly a guy who's young and on the way up and it's mm-hmm. going to figure stuff out, which will offset maybe any regression. Um, Tyler Stevenson, solid. He's going to get playing time now on the Reds. Now that Barnhart's gone, he's fine. I really like the Tarek Skubal pick. In fact, if you didn't pick him, I took Ranger Suarez over Skubal, um, barely. I like them and both. It, I like yeah. them both. I would have been and happy to have both of them on my team. I really like them. I may have taken Skubal if he came back to me. I'm not sure, but because I just had some other needs too. Once I took Suarez, I'm not sure if I could have afforded another pitcher right away, but I, I thought about it. Yeah. Um, Donaldson's a solid pick in round 14. Like he's probably going to have to spend some IL time, but he'll be good when he plays. Trey Mancini's pretty, you know, steady, solid type guy. So, you know, I think after that, like, I think then through the those middle, like heading to the second half of your draft, then you just got some guys who can fill categories and should take, you know, like shouldn't really go, like barring an unusual injury, shouldn't really go bust on you. Yeah, uh, thank you. And I, you know, barring injury is the tricky part here. Donaldson, Mancini. I mean, I, those, those yeah. are just guys. <laughs> they're never hurt. We should be fine. I don't uh, think of Mancini as a hurt guy. Like, no, I, like, like the cancer's its own thing. I don't think of it him. Is. So actually looking at him, he's, yeah, his last four seasons, he missed 2020. The four seasons other than that, 147 games or more. So he's actually durable minus, minus, you know, right. period where he was out with illness. So, but I'm going to do the yes, but I mean, the yeah. fact is, I mean, things don't. The fact that he came back and played 147 last year, and now this year he'll be even mm-hmm. further removed from 2020. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a good sign. So uh, I, I, I don't like the the moving the fences back and up. And yeah. Field. That, that's bothersome. But that's yeah. why he lasted as long as he did, too. I mean, if you look at it that way. Uh, and Mancini, I mean, I waited on corners. You'll notice I didn't take a corner until round 14. 
Yeah. Donaldson and Mancini are my first two corners. That's why I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it so much if the Bellinger got a lot of run at first base. It, mm-hmm. it would help my optionality there a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, compare that to what you did here. Let, let's take a look at what, what you did after we talked about uh, the early parts of this draft here. But you uh, after Iglesias, you went Chris Sale with your with you as your first starter. Is that a little nerve wracking there? Having him be your ace? Um, a little bit, but when you wait till round five, like it is what, what it you is. Get. Um, sure. I, I don't, I'm not that worried about sale. Like, like he came back last year. I think he looked fine. I think he could be, I think he could win the Cy Young award this year or just be okay. But I'm not super worried. He like worried about him as far as injuries go. Like, I think, I think yeah. he's kind of back now. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Again, okay. you wait. You wait till round five to take your ace, and you're either taking a slightly risky Chris Sale, or you're going to take like a boring Max Fried or something like that, who like is like your ace on paper. But let's be serious; like with his strikeout rate and stuff, is like way worse than everybody else's ace. Yeah, hundred percent. I I get you on that. Uh, of the starters that went after him, Gossman. I'm taking Sale over Gossman. I mean, there's plenty of risk with Gossman going to the AL, back to the AL East, and big contract. Definitely take him over Luis Castillo. My guy Freddie Peralta versus Sale is actually a tougher call yep. for me. But I think the um, ceiling might be a little higher on Sale because he might be like oh, yeah. a higher could, meaning. He point. could strike out three hundred batters. Yeah. I mean, well, two. Well, maybe not anymore. But <laughs> yeah. Things went well. And wait, wait. And if there was no lockout, etc., we'll just suspend that disbelief. Pretend they're playing one hundred and sixty-two games. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, that that's what I was referring to mostly there. But yeah. You know, and I when I took Peralta, I was debating between he and Freed and uh, who else was I looking at at that spot? Uh, Freed and Charlie Morton and Lance Lynn. Mm-hmm. A little bit Musgrove probably too in that spot. Yep. Uh, but Sale, it, it, for me, it would come down to Sale versus Peralta. So, I mean, I, I like the pick. Uh, just it's it's tough when it's your first starter. Mm-hmm. But then again, you got a lot of strikeouts after that with Dylan Cease in the seventh round. Yeah, I mean, I know Dylan Cease is everyone's cup of tea. I'm okay with him. I'm not like mm-hmm. super high on Dylan Cease. That's actually the first time. This was my sixth draft I've done, and the first time I've drafted him. So, because usually I draft Montas, who Zach took one pick before me, or I might even just not really be in that group and just wait a little bit or have gone a little earlier right. or later. So, anyways, but I'm fine with Cease. There's a lot of strikeouts there. Uh, generally, the White Sox have been doing a good job with their starting pitchers the last few years, including Cease. So I felt really good about, like I waited a bit on pitching, but then I felt really good when I got Cease. And then I felt like I got Will Smith Braves closer. So now we have the market cornered on Will Smith. Um, I got him at the end of round eight, like eight fourteen, And I felt like that was, that might've been my favorite pick of the whole draft. It was I a great, closer, a great value. 100%. Yeah. Like I know closers are going to go a little later in this draft, but with how many unsettled bullpens there are right now, like to get, I still would have taken Iglesias in round four if I knew I could get Will Smith in round eight. But like that for me, like I'm hoping that I don't have to spend any money on closers in Fab this year, and I can use my my Fab budget in other ways. I 100 percent agree, and, and the fact is, labor being a closed economy, this mm-hmm. is why you were able to get him where it was, uh, where he went. I he would not have gotten past me. Obviously, I took Gallegos in round nine. Uh, I, I was upset that you took Smith. Uh, I was proud of you, but I was upset too at the same time. Not so that you, I'm you, paternalistic you took, because you have a better record than I do in leagues. But anyhow, go you ahead. You took the Bobby Witt risk instead. Instead of the, the boring get your second closer early thing, you, that was the round you took the Bobby Witt risk. Right. Around, You're right. Off. 
And I, I guess that was the last of the like second shortstops that I want. I don't have any interest in Glaber Torres. I kind of like him, uh, Ahmed Rosario. Willie Adamas would actually have been my next shortstop, and he actually went a pretty long time. I guess I, there was some interest there, but I, I just didn't want to – I think it's funny. We always talk about how loaded shortstop is, but then there's a drop-off. Usually it's the NSV Swanson, but Swanson got priced appropriately in this league uh, by Andrea Lamont, took, her at, took him at pick 87. Go Dansby, good pick, Andrea. Like that pick. I, I am I'm proselytizing in favor of Dansby Swanson this year. Vastly underrated. His ADP at 125 is ridiculous. He did exactly what everybody wanted for him. Uh, and then he goes up in ADP. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, but that's just me rambling on. You've heard that before. We'll move on. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Smith pick a lot. And yeah, it, yeah, I, I would have happily taken him in the ninth round if I had not taken Wit. Jake Cronenworth, three-position eligibility again. Always nice to have in these leagues. Luis Garcia, love Luis Garcia. I mean, I like this little stretch here of guys that you took. Luis Urias quietly had a really good season. And again, three positions of eligibility. Yeah, that was that. I felt like that would, it wasn't like really the plan, but when that started to become a reality, I agree with what you said on shortstop. There's a lot of good shortstops. Then there's kind of a cliff. I felt like Cronenworth was near the end before mm-hmm. we really hit the cliff. I, and, and I, I, that's what happened. I don't think I have any other shortstops like, you know, oh, I have a JP Crawford late, but like, mm-hmm. like I don't have any other good shortstops. So I, I started Jose Ramirez, which covered third base. That's the other one you really got to watch um, as far yeah. as covering. So, so then to be able to get Cronenworth to have a shortstop and then, to get Arias, Luis Arias. So now I have another guy who can play third base and a second guy who can play shortstop. And then he also has second base eligibility. I felt really good about that. Um, I don't think Cronenworth or Arias will be like amazing. They don't steal bases and everything, but especially with the DH with Cronenworth, I think he'll be in the lineup every day and they often hit him high in the lineup. And um, Arias is still really young. I don't think people realize quite how young he is right now. I think he's something like 24. So you know, like, like there could still be some other steps up coming for him. And I, and I, and he played better as last season went on. I felt pretty good about that. And then, and then my, my 12th round pick, I, I said, when we were doing the live pod, I didn't feel good about it from a social perspective. Cause it's Marcelo Zuna. That being said, like Marcelo Zuna, you know, it's a similar situation to Araldis Chapman and a lot of, and some other, not a lot, but some other players who are in these drafts who have had similar type of instances, just a little further yeah. in the rear view mirror. Yeah, uh, the Zuna, Bra- the- Chapman, Bauer, I mean, you put them right. all in the same bucket. The Do Braves you feel comfortable made- taking or not? I don't judge you one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, I said I said when I took him, anyone who says they don't want to take Ozuna or or Araldis Chapman or someone like that because of their their history, totally fine with me. The Braves have said from a fantasy baseball perspective, the Braves have made it pretty clear that he's back with the team. And mm-hmm. once he's back with the team, they're not gonna play him like fifty percent of the time because right. he was in trouble with you know, with the law last year. Like he's he's either on the team playing or he's not. And yep. and he and he is. So so I was happy. I think if Marcelo Zuna didn't have these like troubles in his personal life last year, he would have been drafted much higher. Agreed. If, if, so. if yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm a little surprised that he is completely eligible now, to be honest, mm-hmm. given what I read about it. But I also, you know, my wife's a prosecutor, so I know a little bit of background yeah. on uh, domestic violence cases and the penalties for first time offenders first time charged at least they're not first time offenders first of all but mm-hmm. usually first time they get caught um they're usually 
typically pretty light. So even still, I, I even despite that, uh, I'm still a little surprised he got off relatively light. But anyways, I don't want to editorialize no. too much. Uh, I want to talk about before we move on three three consecutive Giants for you around 16 <laughs> through 18. Very interesting to me. Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, Brandon Belt. I liked all three of those picks. Really, uh, Cobb and the most of the three, to be honest with you. Getting okay, it ha- it was just fun to take the Alexes on a turn, like the Cobb, yeah, of course. the sure. Wood Cobb was on a turn where Zach didn't spoil that in the middle. Thank you, Zach. So, um, so that was just fun, just because I can call them the Alexes. Hope they'll probably be they'll, both in my lineup together until they get hurt or until they go to Coors Field. Um, and then Brandon Belt. Um, uh, I remember earlier in the listening to the launch angle podcast, probably like three months ago and they were talking about Brandon belt and Rob silver. I thought summed up Brandon belt really well, where he said like, he's not gonna, like, he's going to spend some time on the IL, but, but Brandon belt has become, you know, later in his career here, but has become like a really good hitter. Like when he plays, he's a really good hitter. 975, 975 OPS last year, a thousand and fifteen in the shortened 2020 season. Like, like that, like if you add up those two seasons, I know he missed time, but that's 148 games played and almost a 1000 OPS. Like he's become a really good hitter and, you know, maybe he sits against some lefties or maybe yeah. he misses some time with injury, but in round 18 in a 15 team league, like, like I think he might've at that point in the draft, I think he's the best hitter left. I'm just dealing with the injury risk. Do you think the changes in the park factor for San Francisco you think that's permanent? Do you think that's something that is going to be enduring? Because it used to be, you know, yeah. Belt used to get killed by this ballpark. Uh, do, and now he's not. And other hit, Giants hitters are obviously not either. But he in particular seems, if I recall correctly, really just got crushed by this ballpark. Yes. That's no yes. longer the case. Yes. So I guess I'm crossing my fingers that it's funny because I took two Giants pitchers right before him. So I'm, cr- I'm crossing my fingers that somehow Belt Belt doesn't get crushed by the park. And then in the same regard, Wood and Cobb, you know, don't get crushed by the park in the opposite direction. Well, I'll say this. The the current management team of the Giants is getting all sorts of mileage out of veterans. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even some young players. Lamont Wade is the guy that comes to mind, too. But they're really getting great seasons from, you know, great in, in great platoons, great half seasons. And it's, you know, from pitching and hitting alike. You know, Yastrzemski you, you, you took a step back last year, but still, mm-hmm. they've gotten a lot of mileage out of him. Belt has obviously got done done really well there. Wilmer Flores is a guy that's flourished in his role. Uh, and on the pitching side, obviously, Gossman, Desclafani, Alex Wood, who you took. And I think a lot of people are comparing Cobb to, to Gossman. I don't think it's maybe the same sort of ceiling, but I think there's a lot of upside if you get a healthy season at Alex Cobb. Yeah, I think so too. I, yeah, I don't know if he can go where Gossman was. We'll see. Maybe, but I, yeah. I don't know. He's not traditionally like a really low whip guy, Cobb, and that kind of limits the ceiling and not a really high strikeout guy. But I think Cobb and Wood could, it, it's just a matter of how many innings they throw. I think they can be about a strikeout an inning, ERAs in the mid threes, whips that are solid, like 1.2-ish, something like that. Um, they'll win plenty of games on San Fran. It's just a matter of how many, of how healthy those guys can stay and how many innings they can throw. Right. We're uh, talking about the 15-team mixed league labor draft that happened last Tuesday. If you want to see the grid and you're not streaming right now with us and you're hearing on a podcast, you can check it out a couple different ways. Uh, You can check out my article about reviewing the draft on rotowire.com. And if you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, 
get a free 10-day trial, rotowire.com slash try, T-R-Y. Or, and for that matter, the article is free, and I've I've tweeted out the article, but I've also tweeted a lot lately. You can can also just tweet at me or DM me uh, at Jeff underscore Erickson. I'll share the grid with you too. And I'm sure Fred will do the same at Fred Zinke. That's Z-I-N-K-I-E MLB. Hopefully it doesn't uh, autocorrect to pinky like it did for me at one time. <laughs> uh, but we're going to move on from the labor draft uh, and talk about uh, both uh, tout wars and TGFBI, which are ongoing. But first commercial note from our friends at thrive experience, a new way to play daily fantasy sports on thrive fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And three, Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Thanks to Thrive. Also, quick uh, moment here for our friends with the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Uh, we've had the Blue Wire Network uh, with us all along, hosting all of our podcasts. So uh, we want to thank them for their sponsorship and the sponsors there. Please patronize them as well. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little Tower Wars. First of all, Fred, you are doing Tower Wars draft and hold. Despite being the two-time defending NL Tower Wars champion, why is that? Um, because I'm also a dad, and uh, sometimes we yes. have, sometimes those things take priority. So I, I'm not the guy type of guy usually to cut and run on a league. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so I, I jumped out of so I was in the mixed league and I jumped out of that one because I started doing some leagues with Jeff Zimmerman, who's in the mixed league. So one of us, I felt like needed to get out of that league. So we weren't together since we were cooperating in some other leagues. So I went to the NL, played it twice, um, was fortunate enough to win it both times this year, the weekend that the Tout Wars auctions are happening. Uh, one of my sons has a hockey tournament. It will be this particular son's first ever like sleepover at a Ooh, hotel hockey tournament. That's big. Uh, my other, so my older son probably has, and I'm not exaggerating, ten sleepover hockey tournaments a year. Um, and this, my younger son, it's his first one, and I take the older son to all of those. So I felt like I've probably been to I don't even know how many, close to fifty with the older one. I can't bail on the younger one for his first one. I got to be there. I got to take him. Yeah, so, of course. So I jumped to the draft and hold, which works really well for me right now because it's it's one of the ones that wasn't that weekend. Um, and I've done a bunch of draft and hold leagues this year. So it's and everybody talks about how I trade so much. So I was like, you know what? This would be a neat challenge. I'm going to try to win this league. Without trading, taking away one of your superpowers. That's interesting. By the way, I can relate. One year in Tout Weekend, I did the AL Tout Wars. Usually I'm the auctioneer for the mix. I'm around on Sunday too. Instead, I took off right away because my daughter had a big, big AYSO tournament on Sunday. And so I missed a lot of the activities. Worth it. It was, first of all, it's just like tournament we never qualify for. So it was really awesome to be able to make that. So that was pretty cool. So completely Good yeah. job. Good parenting points. I, I, I highly I, approve of this. Message. I fully hope to like long range plans. I hope next year to jump back into one of those live auctions. I also think that I'm like just assessing myself as a fantasy manager. I actually think I'm better at auctions than I am at drafts. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's one of the reasons that I've often done better at tout than I have in labor. Um, so I like, I'm hoping next year that I can get back into one of those leagues. We'll see. It's a long way away. Very good. Yeah. All right. So, and I, I like that you're challenging yourself. So that's good. Yeah. So now we are sharing the screen. If you're streaming with us, you are looking at the Tout Wars Draft and Hold League. It is 15 teams. Uh, it is also OBP instead of batting average. Big difference there. Uh, it is also, uh, this is Draft and Hold. There are no free agents. There's no trades, as you alluded. Uh, you're going 50 rounds. You're trying to get the, it's, it's tantamount to the NFPC Draft Champions, albeit no overall contest, just a standalone league. I, any other, uh, am I missing any other differences? No, the OBP is, I think, a huge difference. Massive. I find, I find the OBP, I actually really like it. Um, I know some people resisted it when you guys brought it into tout. I'll, I'll tell you two reasons why I like it. Um, one is, um, I think it, as you start converting 
your SGPs, like if you're, it depends how you do your rankings, but if you start, if you have projections, you start converting your list over from a batting average, they do an OBP league. What you find is the better, really the better hitters, the better players start rising up your list. The guys who draw a lot of walks like Bryce Harper in this league went six, Um, you know, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero slipped all the way to seventh, but in all honesty, I had him when I did my rankings, like he was like second or third ish um, on the list. I felt like he could have gone anywhere up there because he draws plenty of walks. So, some of these guys, Aaron Judge got into the second round, um, and it punishes the guys who, who who don't draw walks. And and that's good, I think, because we see some of these guys, like I love taking Whit Merrifield in the second or third round in a regular fantasy league, but come on, Whit Merrifield's like not that good of a player. We're just chasing the steals. He's right, going to go a little right. later in this league because he doesn't really get on base very well. Um, Tim right. Anderson, same thing. We'll probably go a little later for the same reason. So I like the OBP for that reason. The other reason I like it, and this is not a shot at the NFBC, and I'm not going to, I'm not taking that shot because I know some of the NFBC guys are a little thin skinned with, with loving the NFBC so much, but the so NFBC, you're kind of taking a shot no, a little kidding. bit. It's no. become very sanitized. And what I mean by that is the NFBC ADP list is so good. Like it's so good. You could draft from it. Like you could totally draft from it. I don't draft from it. You don't draft from it. I don't like to do that. But that list is really good. If you just but I refer to it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everybody does, and it's a guideline. And if and I've said that when we've been talking in the off season many times. Like you do your projections, and then you see where your projections differ, like Mm -hmm. where your rankings differ wildly from ADP, and then you start reining yourself in and thinking, "Am I crazy on these guys? Should I be?" you know, am I, am I missing something? And it's a guidebook. And, and again, you could absolutely take those ADP rankings, draft your league and have a pretty good chance to do well in the league. And that's fine, but it dumbs it down a little bit. I don't love that. Um, so what I like about this is there are no ADP rankings for, for on base percentage leagues. So now we're like, you can use the NFBC ADP if you want to do this draft, but it's not going to be good. Like, leave your friends behind. Yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, not to, you know, give all the answers away, but I took Trey Turner fifth overall. And some people on Twitter immediately were like, oh my gosh, Trey Turner fifth overall. And if I get Trey Turner fifth overall in an NFBC league, I'd be doing cartwheels. But in this league, once you run the numbers, he, he, Trey Turner is not a low walk. He's not a low walk guy, but he's not a high walk guy. So I'll be honest in my rankings, Vlad Guerrero is ahead of Trey Turner. Now I took Trey Turner because I like the multi-position eligibility. I like addressing shortstop really. And I like getting some steals, but, and his OBP is not bad, but, but Vlad jumps Trey Turner in my rankings. And, and once, once we convert to OBP, I love how there's no guidebook for tout wars because it's an OBP league and those aren't the leagues that everyone's doing. So there isn't a good ADP list out there. Like, I love that. So now you have to do the work yourself. Yep. hundred percent. I do like so, that a lot. And I know that, like I said, I know some NFBC, like I love the NFBC. I play tons of it. Like I said, I was in the main event last year. It's really great competition, but, but that, that amazing ADP list that has so many, you know, intelligent minds chipping into it. Um, it does make it so that, you know, like it, it is a guidebook for drafting NFBC. For sure. Yeah. Ar- an argument against using OBP, by the way, is yeah. that it kind of double counts the sluggers. You know, because let's it face it, those are the guys that are going to walk the most. Yes. Uh-huh. But we have got to a point where steals are so scarce and then so prioritized. And we do have these guys like right. Starling Marte and Whit Merrifield going in the second right. round, which it doesn't equate at all to how valuable they are as 
baseball players. They're good baseball players, but they're not right. great baseball players. So I, so almost double counting the sluggers, like, like I didn't take Aaron judge. It was kind of cool to see Aaron judge maybe go in the second round. And we're going to see some probably good hitters go a little bit earlier in this draft and some yeah. of the steel, you still need the steals in this league. Those guys are still going to go fairly early, but, but I, I don't mind that. Counter argument is those steals guys are better defenders. Typically. That's true. Some of them. So not yeah. that we play fantasy defense. No, most leagues, unless you do score yeah. sheet or strat or something like that. Yeah. But they are my, that, that is part of the, what encompasses who, what makes a better ball player. Then you get Mike Trout, who's a perfect human being. And then it's fine. Cause he still plays good defense. Not as good as he used to, but it's still pretty good defense. Also slipped. He slipped a pick 10. Um, to Nando DeFino, Mike Trout. Where would you take Mike Trout in an OVP league? Like, look, looking at this draft board, do you think he's a really interesting one? Because I'm just not taking him in the batting average leagues just because of the injury risk. But man, in an OVP league, like, oh, he could be. I'm such, taking him such... ahead of. Uh, so Mike Sheets took Ronald Acuna at nine. I take Trout ahead of him here because you've got the similar injury risk in Acuna as you do in Trout. So I don't see any reason to discount Trout over Trout's Acuna. A, Acuna, though, in his own right, is a really become a really good OVP guy. Yeah, he's he's getting a lot better without like a close doubt. to four hundred the last yeah. like I think he was yeah four, because over now because he's getting pitched around and he's got That's a better right. eye of course yeah um and you know they're trying to get him to chase and he's not chasing as much so he's become a better pure hitter without a doubt. What about uh, Trout or Bo Because the gap in now, now this is where the OBP is a huge deal. Like in in batting average, Bo will be the same ish as Trout. Like they'll be in the same range for batting average. You, I think there's OBP growth potential in Bichette though. I mean, this, this kind a of, isn't this kind of a go where the puck is moving sort of thing instead of where it's been, because you're talking about Bichette in what year three and a half, you know, yeah, two, yeah. three and a half. And you went from three twenty eight to three forty three last year while maintaining the same batting average. He walked, you know, a little bit he more, walked 40 yeah. times last year. Uh, percentage was I'm pulling it, pulling up his page a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, he jumped from it's okay. He jumped. He went from four percent to six percent walk rate. He's nowhere near. But what if he goes up to eight percent walk rate? There, it's now it's starting to become a little bit more valuable uh, as he perhaps gets pitched around a little bit more. Uh, although maybe he doesn't, given the the other batters in that Toronto lineup. I mean, that's the thing that you know still lets him get pitched to a lot more. I don't know. Uh, but a typical Trout season in the last five or six years is like a four forty OBP. Mm-hmm. So. Like that's like Bo Bichette's not like, like like the gap between those two guys now and on base percentages, even if Bichette grows a little bit, the gap's going to be enormous, which now offsets the fact that Trout doesn't steal bases. Yeah. <sighs> it's an interesting one. Trout's much more powerful. Yeah. So, yeah. and he's just, he is like a cheat code in OVP. I mean, yes. That's... If he plays Nando's really, even if he doesn't steal bases, right? Like Juan Soto went first because he can get you that OVP. That's like, 430 or something like that. Well, Trout's the other guy who can do that. Juan mm-hmm. Soto doesn't steal a lot of bases. Trout, a few. Trout doesn't steal a lot of bases. Trout probably will hit more home runs if he's healthy than Soto. Like, like Trout could easily be the, if Trout plays 150 games, even without the steals, he could be the number one player in this format. Yeah. Judge is pretty close too on OBP, by the way. I think, and I play an AL tout, which, so I've been kind of acutely aware of that. But if you look at Judge's OBP over the years, I mean, it, it's pretty ridiculous. So last year it kind of dropped off a little bit. Uh, or two years ago dropped off a little bit, but he's still another guy that's pretty darn awesome as far as that goes too. So, uh, and of course, Joey Votto later on, I don't want to spoil, you know, you know, I, I, your, your fellow competitors might not know that Joey Votto is a good OVP guy, but I'm just going to let it slip to, in case they're paying attention. Hopefully they haven't heard of him. Maybe, maybe, 
maybe yeah. they haven't heard of him. Or I something. know you've heard of Joey Votto, blah, blah, blah. I sure don't have. don't want to go into that again. But, uh... <laughs> I'm not drafting. Oh, I could draft him in this league because I can't trade him. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you took Jacob deGrom in the second round. Uh, you know, uh, that that's aggressive. Took him. But then again, Woodruff is gone. Scherzer's gone. Wheeler's gone. Bueller's gone. Bieber was gone. I, that was interesting. Alcant- Alcantara was the next starter after that. The only other starter after that's been taken. I don't think Alcantara is in the same universe as DeGrom. So, yeah, I, you know, if you're going to take a starter there, I, I'm okay with uh, DeGrom in that spot. Yeah, I mean, if, if nice we of me by, to say that. Yeah, Alcon- uh, Alcantara or Alcantara, he went quite early to Jock Thompson right after I took DeGrom. If we went by ADP, the next pitcher on the board would be Aaron, who was still undrafted, would have been Aaron Nola. Um, who's still there's, like, there's think, a gap there. Yeah. You still yes. might take Nola. You could do it. I could on the way do back. It. I do it. Um, I might, I'm not I'm against it. So the, the draft boards unfolded, I think in a really interesting way. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast have probably done a lot of draft champions over the winter. Cause that's pretty popular in January and February. And so we know how high saves are going. Yeah. I felt like DeGrom was the last pitcher in that second round type tier. Like he typically goes in with Wheeler, Scherzer, Bueller, Woodruff. So they all went. We actually had a run of nine straight picks with pitchers. DeGrom was just past the middle of that run. Um, I obviously get the injury risk with DeGrom. I saw some people discussing on Twitter, and, and Jeff Zimmerman jumped in with a, a really great point about this, where I think it was Andy Barons and someone, someone else. I forget who exactly off the top of my head. I apologize. But they were saying that someone said DeGrom will either be like pitcher number one or pitcher number 150. Uh, and Jeff pointed out, like, no, like he might pitch two thirds of the season and be pitcher number like seven because right. like just the fact, like he's not going to just start the season fine and be fine all season or get hurt in spring training. Like th- those aren't the only two possibilities. It's not so, binary. You're right. That's right. So, and that was, that's kind of how I try to project him. Like if he throws 130 innings, I, okay. Again, speaking as though we'll have a full season, if he throws 130 innings or something like, where do I value, where would that be? Cause he's, cause he's clearly the best player in fantasy baseball. Like, yep. Like if he pitch, if he made 30 starts, he's going to be number one and pitches like he has the last two or three years. He's the best. So anyways, I took him. I didn't take one of the relievers since I, I picked Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader both went in round two. Rizella Iglesias went with the first pick in round three. I kind of wish Matt Williams on the turn had taken Iglesias first instead of Starling Marte. So just to have them all a row. Yeah. It would have been cool to have those three. Then we could have said three relievers went in round two. So now I don't know. I've got three more picks until I go. Um, I uh, I don't think I'm taking a reliever now. I don't think I can justify any of the other relievers in round three. So Nola could still be there. Um, I, I consider him or I take a bat. And there's lots of bats left. That Tay Oscar's left. And um, if I want to go to the Steels guys with the lower OBPs, but I have Trey Turner. But if I wanted to go to one of those guys like Whit Merrifield there left. So there's a lot of those guys left if I wanted to get someone like that. But Or I could take Nola. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know if Noel will make it through three more picks. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see indeed. I, um, I thought this room might not have been quite this pitcher heavy, but it was. It is. That's for sure. Well, mm-hmm. I'll say, yeah, well, it's interesting. I think there's some lot, some veteran NFBC players in this room. Yes. James Anderson, Vlad Sedler. Yes. Uh, Brad Johnson certainly has played the format a lot. Uh, you know, Matt Williams won the league last year. 
Uh, so, I mean, you, you start from there, you know, Toby bat flip crazies in your league. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, who, who's taken, who likes pitchers and has taken a couple yes. of them already. He's known I for coining the term pocket aces for crying out loud. Yeah. His uh, other so. pocket ace right now is Liam Hendricks. So, yeah. Um, but I, I, I will, and James might be listening since obviously he's part of the brand, but um, I was hoping he would take DeGrom and then I would take Zach Wheeler. Not because really I want, I don't want Wheeler more than DeGrom. It's just, you sleep better at night with Zach Wheeler because he's totally <laughs> healthy. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Which I'm sure is why James took Zach Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Yeah. Let's uh, move on over real quick. Talk a little TGFBI. I, I am doing that one. You are not. Um, shame on you, but that's okay. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Uh, I'm just writing down that it's there uh, because I'm trying to mark where we're going with these things. Let's remove that screen. Uh, and then we will add the draft board to my TJFBI league instead. Uh, I'm drafting out of the 13 spot. It was my 13th choice. So it tells you how happy I am with that spot, but it's not that bad. The only thing that's bad is the pace of this draft. It, it's, it's not great. I am team 13. Uh, Interesting here that I had uh, I didn't have I didn't have the choice I thought I'd have. Ronald Acuna went nine. Kyle Tucker went ten, just like I took him before. Ozzy Albies went eleven. Luis Robert went twelve. So I could have taken Corbin Burns in the first round, but I was afraid that I wouldn't get my power speed guy. So I was looking between Otani and Mookie Betts. I ended up going Otani. I, I would have got, taken both of them to be honest. In part because I I passed by Otani and and labor and I thought that was a slight oversight, you know I'm very happy with Woodruff where I got him in the second round, but he went like pick twenty four to Doctor Roto who did great to get him there. I would value take him there, but I thought in my particular instance I wanted one of the elite power speed combo guys and they were drying up in a hurry. Yeah, I I think this has turned out really well for you off the top, like. Otani's like I'm not even the Otani, I'm not the Otani guy this like this year at all. I won't have any shares, but at pick 13, that's great. I haven't had any picks yet late in in the first round in drafts. So, and Otani mm-hmm. usually goes more middle. Otani usually goes more middle of the first round, and I would rather take Garrett Cole or actually Corbin Burns or Kyle Tucker or something like that or Bryce Harper. So for him, but Otani to last for 13, I would have taken Burns probably. I see why you took Otani, but then to have Burns make it back to you, like that's amazing. Right. I would have taken Otani. I might have taken Otani and hoped for Woodruff to make it back to me. In the end, Woodruff went before Burns, which you rarely see. Although I get it, like it's fine, but I I wouldn't do. I would way rather have Burns. I think that's great. Yeah, and I and, and I got a little lucky. Burns did. Uh, I was I got him at eighteen. That's his max pick in TGFBI, and probably one of the, it's close to one of the high max picks in the NFBC universe. You know, Woodruff went one pick before me, and I can't blame that pick. Woodruff's going to throw more innings, so I get that, and I love Woodruff. Obviously, I love him. I took him in in labor, so you know I like Woodruff a lot. And in fact, I like him better than Bueller. I like him better than Mad Max. I like him better than Wheeler. Uh, Woodruff is my SP three, so. To say it's crazy, I got my SP2 instead. I mean, that's that's fine. But it was interesting. Devers, Freeman, and Betts also went. I was kind of hoping for an Otani Betts start, but I, I, I'm certainly happy with Burns. And what taking Burns or another pitcher there really opens up the build for hitters in three and four, which I like the hitters available in rounds three and four a lot better than the starting pitchers than I do at the back end of three and the start of four. So, I, okay, in your draft – like getting Whit Merrifield, like you've really gotten some guys way later than, 
than their ADP. Like Otani, right. you got later. Burns, you like you said, you got way later. Whit Merrifield at pick forty three. That that was an that's aberrant uh, without a doubt. Unbelievable. Yeah. I've taken him in the second round, like late second round in drafts. So for him to fall to there is incredible. Xander Bogarts isn't an incredible value at that pick. He's just a really solid guy. Like you basically you're, you're around his ADP. Um, Let's talk about that pick for a second because I yeah. thought that was an interesting. Merrifield, I mean, it's not really that interesting. He's speed, he's multiple multiple positions, and he came late. Uh, I had a tough call on my at four three. I went Xander Bogarts, but I had Sal Perez available to me. Uh, Will Smith had gone. Real Muto went three seven, so he went way mm-hmm. relatively early. Uh, and the fact that he and, and Will Smith, the catcher, went at four point two. Again, I love Will Smith. I was actually low key disappointed. I wanted to take Will Smith there. Uh, as you know, I flag plant with him and I have him in labor, but I, I really struggled with the, that I just decided to go with Bogarts over Perez. I know Perez played virtually every day last season. I, I don't see that necessarily repeating. I, I would have taken Perez. Um, the thing about it, about, I, I've heard, I've heard that argument. And I totally agree with it. The thing is Perez could regress by a massive amount and still as a catcher in round could still make what a catcher needs to make for round four. Like he could regress a massive amount and get 33 homers and 90 RBIs and 70 runs. And that's totally good for a red. It'd be fine for a round four catcher. And maybe you get 37, like he's going to regress, but maybe you get 37, 38 homers, you get a hundred RBIs. So I would have taken Perez um, over Bogarts, especially because not that Bogarts gets you steals, but you have a really nice setup there to take, a, a zero steal fourth round guy because you have 30 steals or so with Maryfield and you have 20 something steals with Otani. So I think you could have afforded to do that. Um, I don't think I would have looked at any of the pitchers. So I, if I was in that spot, I would take him Perez. I don't think Bogart's the bad pick. He's not going to let you down or anything. I think, I think that's a fine pick. Um, you only have one pitcher, but, and the closers are starting to go like Iglesias went. They went late. These closers way late. Yeah, Glacius at the end of round four. That guy's another guy, the guy who picked first in yours. I don't love the, I don't like the Mondesi pick at the start of round five, but Trey Turner first overall, fine. For him to get Zach Wheeler and DeGrom on the two, three turns. Fantastic start. And then a Glacius in the round four is amazing. I don't, again, I don't love them. I don't understand the Mondesi pick when you already have Trey Turner. I, I get maybe because there's an overall component to this and he's thinking, at Alberto Mondesi at 140 games is the kind of guy who helps you win an overall, right? So he's mm-hmm. taking a chance on that. I probably would have just taken like Nick Castellanos who went with the next pick. Someone like that. like Or, someone who's just a, a or Arenado who went 4-4 you know, four, four or 5-4 yeah. or Eloy at 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, pick, pick your guy, but like someone who someone who's, who's just really solid. So I think that's probably what I would have done. So just looking at your team now and like where it's going to go. Oh, by the way, I did want to mention, I don't mind the pitchers late in round three, four. Like I I'm cool with Giolito. Like we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier. Yeah. Like, if, if I'm warmer to him fall, now than I was before the start of this podcast. Yeah. But. And Nola was one pick away from getting to you. And Alcantara is usually down there. Chris sale went really early in your league. Actually he went before Nola and Giolito, which yeah. is unusual. So now you're three picks away. Um, what are we thinking here? There, Another well, pitcher? Yeah. There's three people picking and I'm fourth. So here's the thing. Closers have gone later. Iglesias went at 450. A little later. That's pick, yeah. that's pick 60. He never goes pick 60 unless mm-hmm. you're in, in a in this for an overall contest league. He never goes this late. 
Kenley Jansen went as the fourth closer. Emmanuel Classe went. However, Presley and Edwin Diaz are still there, mm. which that's well beyond ADP. Top two guys in the default queue. So I, I think there's it's not like they're going to get overlooked by the people drafting before me. But if the, if my competitors choose to pass on them, I'll be left with a tough dilemma. The best available hitter, and I think it's by a lot, is George Springer. Mm-hmm. I don't care that he doesn't run. Um, I really it doesn't matter to me at no, all. No, you have some steals. It's fine. Right. Um, after that, there's a slew of second baseman, which I don't really need or necessarily want. Um, Altuve, etc. Polanco's gone, but yeah, Altuve be one of them, right on that list of second baseman. Yeah, uh, that would be. Um, but you know, I, you know, I I don't really want Altuve there. I'd rather go. So you're thinking closer or Springer. And if you get well, unlucky, then they, they, those three guys. Those the threes are gone, next. and I'm, I'm dropping all the way to J.D. Martinez, at least in terms of ADP, because I think right. he's the best pure hitter. I And I don't think the starters that are available are too distinguishable between each other. I think if you look at the best available starters at that spot. Um, Gossman. I think it's Lance Lynn. It's Gossman. Logan Webb. Joe Musgrove. I'll get one of those guys in the six if I want, if that's the route I want to go. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I won't be going the starting pitcher here in the six. Newsflash, my, you know, I know all my competitors are listening to this live <laughs> right now uh, as we wait for our picks to go. By the way, in this league, it, you know, and I, I don't want to, it's not any person in particular, but this has happened multiple times. We're, we're like one of the last teams right now in TGFBI in oh. terms of pace. But the thing that tilts me more than anything right now is seeing the little green light next to a person's name saying that they're in the room, but they've been on the clock for a while. Oh, and then he goes and picks. That's, oh, that's pick amazing. While we were on the clock. Bam. Okay. Nobody Bam. Else, nobody Jose Altuve sh- just got drafted. I brought I him it. up. I was trying to put him in team 10's head. Okay. So you now manifested got- it. I like so, okay, that. So this there. is net. We're not. This is not going to be week two of a three-hour podcast. But um, there's two more picks until you. There's two closers and there's Springer. So I'm go. I've got it. Presley Springer Diaz. That's the order I want them in. Okay. So if Presley goes, you'll take Springer and then chance it maybe that you can get a closer after. Yeah, and I might just go Springer because oh, he, he's you know easily what? the best hitter available. Well, the, also the thing is if they're all there. If they were all there, I would take Springer because there's a good chance that there's only two teams on the turn. Like there's a good chance that Presley or Diaz gets around the turn. And if, if you're willing to open your mind to one other closer, I don't care who it is, whether it's Chapman or well, it is Cha- Chapman or Will Smith are the next two closers. Romano, yeah, is Romano there too, because Kenley's already gone. So if you're willing to just open your mind to even the possibility of one of those, if you got really unlucky, then I would take Springer and then just hope Presley or Diaz makes it around the turn too. And if I don't they think don't, there's any you're... chance Presley Diaz make it back to me. That's the thing. And they're, I actually, I don't think any of the three make it back. I think I'm going to get one of That's them. Right. That's right. So oh, do Springer I take the closer and then just accept Martinez and hope he comes back? Uh, I could go Rendon or Bregman if I want to go that way or go starting pitcher. I, I think I'm just talking myself into. Mm, I think I'm talking myself into Springer here more than anything, but I know, or just accept that I'm going to go late on closers. That's the other thing I could just do. Ray flowers was on Sirius XM talking about how unlikely it is that closers repeat from year to year and getting 30 plus saves and why it's kind of a fool's errand to chase that, that high level closer. And you see that by the way he drafts, he never drafts the high level closer. Um, 
Kelly and Jansen. This, and, and to be clear, like we just jumped when we went from my league to yours from a draft and hold to a league here with fab and a ma- massive contest where some people are going to bow out by the summer. If their team isn't doing well, like you don't have to, you don't have to prioritize saves as much in this format as you do in an NFBC without, you know, like, but more so than in labor, I guess can trade, because you can yeah. trade for it. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> we exactly. traded for saves. Uh, yes. And, so you want to prioritize yeah. it a bit, but like you could find, if you only come out of this with one closer you like, like you might be able to find another closer during the season. Correct. You have the fab option that I don't have in that draft and hold, which is why Rizel Iglesias basically went the second round in my draft and hold. Right. So I, I, I've talked myself into Springer if he's there and then hope that, hope that one of the closers you like comes around the turn. Correct. Correct. Um, I'm leaving this draft board open even when we're done recording tonight so yeah. that I can check it, check it Please later do. today or tomorrow Please morning. Please do. And I know uh, we've got uh, Lapore and Johnson coming up in front of me. Just that's Justin Johnson, not Brad Johnson, who's also in the league. We have two Johnsons in our league, so it's not it's kind of kind of confusing. But uh, so very interesting to see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, so that that's where we are in TGFBI. Uh, hopefully, uh, we we get to these picks soon, and I make t- at least two more picks tonight. Would be nice. Uh, f- as we wrap up the podcast, we got a couple of questions. Ready to hit them? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Uh, Writing down the time again so people know what they, they want to go to a certain point to see. Uh, let's start off. Mark asks about, I don't know a lot about his injury, but would Josh Young's injury lower his dynasty value at all? If so, how much? I mean, yeah, it's got to, right? I mean, it, it's enough that it required surgery. It's enough. Anytime someone needs surgery, it 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 required, it changes yes. long-term value. Probably depends. Yeah. And I mean, like a little, it probably depends to where you're at with your dynasty team. Like, if you were like, like how far off, like if you're in a rebuild or if, or if you're contending, you know, um, now he kind of maybe fits more the profile of the team that's in a rebuild and can wait for a while for him to get back from this injury and be back to a full-time player. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Polly asks on a draft and hold, given the circumstances with free agents, do you value players with jobs higher than the current free agents or do you just go with skill set? Good question. I'm leaving it up there for you. Yeah. So for a second, that is a really good question. So it depends. It depends on the point in the draft. So, okay. To take it to the, the furthest extreme, it doesn't matter that Freddie Freeman's a free agent, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's going to sign. Maybe we get lucky and he signs on a team that with a great hitter park, maybe he signed, maybe we get a little unlucky and he signs on a team with not a great hitter park. He's going to sign. He's going to sign on a really good team. He's going to hit, second, third, or fourth in their lineup. So it doesn't really matter with him that, but, but, and then there's like the mid-level guys um, maybe who are free agents, but we know they're going to get starting jobs. Uh, it's more the lower end guys. Like, like a good example, uh, you took Jonathan VR in our labor draft. Um, he's hanging around late in draft boards because we just don't know. Right. He could, you could get lucky and like a team like Baltimore could say, hey, Jonathan VR, come in and play full time for us and hopefully build a little bit of trade value and we'll flip you in the summer. And you might get a few really great months out of him or a good team might say, come on in, Jonathan VR, you're our utility bench player, um, at which point you're actually going to drop him because yep. and, and someone else will pick him up when someone gets hurt and he's got a full time job for three weeks or something. But um 
that's the level I think that really I took a couple of free agents in that labor draft. I took Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler, um, who are both still hanging around as free agents. Now I'm just assuming both of those players get jobs where they will have most, you know, mostly a full-time role, but I think that's a safe, I think that's a safe thinking a little bit. If I had someone, when I took those guys, if I had somebody on my list ranked, even with them, who already had a had a team I would have taken the other guy but I didn't they were the highest ranked guys on my list I didn't want to I didn't want to jump like like lose the value there is also because of the NLDH and this current amount of free agents once you hit a certain point in your draft you start finding players who are vulnerable where if their team signs a player they move now to the bench and a yep. reserve role. So right. there, it, it does at a certain point in the draft, it does cut both ways with some of these players. Right. And obviously closer jobs. That matters a lot. Um, I think you took Connor Joe. Is that right? In our labor. Draft? I did. I did. Good, good. I think good pick. And, but he's a great example of that. If the Rockies don't sign any players, which they shouldn't, cause they suck. Like they shouldn't sign players. They should let Connor Joe play. Let Garrett Hampson play. Well, let Jerry Connor McMorris play. is fighting for the right, not to sign players right now. He is on the front lines. <laughs> Do fighting for Connor Joe. That's, That's why right. he's doing this, Fred. It's for the <laughs> Connor Joes of this world. So it's if he courageous. wins, if, if he wins and Connor Joe doesn't sign, or Connor Joe's team doesn't sign other people, um, then Connor Joe is great. But he's at that level of player where if the Rockies just went out and grabbed, a, if they grab Jonathan VR or if they grab a couple veterans, I'm ready. Just, I've got it covered. I got yeah. VR too. We're good. You've got VR covered. Yes. So Solaire, Solaire, and Coresfield, though. So if they signed a Solaire <laughs> type player, that might push Connor Joe, and you're like back to him playing four days a week, and now you don't want him anymore. Right. So, well, and then, but you know what? It's a twenty plus pick. I'll fine. It's a, yeah. Move on it, to the next guy. Totally. So it, I guess the 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 long answer is actually mostly you just draft the skills. And yeah. with all these unsigned right. players, I think that from the question that we were asked, you draft the skills for the most part. Yep. I think that's right. All right. Last question from JLD on Twitter. Any pitchers you bump up with a shortened season? And then he puts in, uh, you know, one Baz with a smiley face. Shane Baz uh, is, is a possibility. Maybe I think he's, that's almost hope casting there with that question. Is there anybody you pit? I wouldn't do any young pitcher. I wouldn't bump them up at all um, because no. You know, any any chance they spend your, some time in the minors, it's just less time in the majors. And, you know, the Rays do manipulate surface time. We know this. So mm-hmm. uh, he's not a guy I would bump up for the shortened season. It's the guys coming back for injury. Those are the guys I'm bumping yep. up because it's just less time for them to miss. Jacob, De, Like Jacob DeGrom, yeah. who I drafted a couple hours ago in Tet Wars. Um, no, I – the season isn't hasn't been shortened enough yet for it to matter. And even though we as both think we it's yeah. and even though we both think it's going to be shortened, I don't think I'm going to change my approach until such time where it's been shortened by. Oh, I, it'd have to be more than a month. If it's even still a five month season, I'm not going to change it much. But as it starts to become, I made this point to someone on Twitter yesterday. We were talking about Fernando Tatis, and I said, the shorter the season the closer Tatis comes um, to being number, I, I don't have him first overall, but if the season got short enough, I would make him first overall. And the reason is basically every time he does anything on a baseball field, he could hurt his shoulder. So it, to take it to the, the furthest degree, if the baseball season was shortened to one game, 
Fernando Tatis would be my first overall pick because the odds of him hurting his shoulder in that game are minimal. Right. If it was five games, he'd still be my first overall pick. Ten games, he'd be first overall pick. 162, he was not because that's a lot of wear and tear. So those right. injury-prone guys, as the season shortens, that's just less chances for them to get hurt. And that does impact Jacob deGrom, assuming he starts off the season healthy. Um, you know, it's just he if he only has to make 15 starts in the end, to have a full season. We'll see where this all goes. He's got a better chance of surviving that than he did 30. So 100%. Uh, that that's where we're at. And like you said, and, and Ronald Acuna goes way up if yep. the longer the season gets delayed. Yeah. 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 I think you're right about that too. Yeah. All right. Good questions. All uh, we ran a little longish. Friday night tend to do that. Who knew with no news. We've that's got time. That's yeah. I think we both all we have is time. time right now. Unfortunately, yeah. Who knows? We still didn't get to my pick, but we got closer. We got one pick closer to my pick in that time. Oh, I didn't know that. No, we got Altuve. I thought you meant we got Altuve. That's the one pick. In an hour and 20 minutes, we had one pick, which is (sighs) actually, you know, that's actually not even doing it justice because it was more than an hour and 20 minutes because there was time before we started, too. Uh, But that's been my experience in this league. So that's okay. It's not about that. Put yourself on auto pick. Set a good example for these guys. Oh, I'm going to because I'm going to go play tennis. So, and I'm not going to make them wait while I'm playing. So I got that going for me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate it. It's actually therapy for us to talk about these things. And hopefully you guys get some value out of it, too. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks to the uh, WinBet for the sponsorship and to Thrive. Uh, We'll be back at you again next Tuesday, probably with a lot more slow draft results in the books. No doubt about that. And maybe we'll have some good news, too. Who knows? Thanks for listening. Have a great day.